For those that are guests among us, first-timers, it is our custom here every week, not every, but most every week, that I give what's called a family moment update. It's to tell the congregation something about the life of our church and what we're doing and, and what's been happening. And this is the week we've been saying for many weeks would be the culmination, the final week to announce our, uh, our giving number and so forth in terms of, which is part of the All In to Go All Out. We've been talking about where we're going to give our our uh, greatest giftedness and call of ministry to what people groups, to what kind of service and help to others. And then the other side of it is the, uh, the giving. One of the things we're doing different than we've ever done before is we're doing it over a two-year period, and we're combining our regular giving plus over and beyond for many of the ministries that are launching into the communities and beyond for our ministry. And we set a goal for that two-year period for $46 million, which is fairly large and uh, stretched goal there. And uh, I'm very, very pleased to tell you that uh, with a lot of the people still not having yet indicated, and that's an interesting point I'll mention in a minute, but, but we're at 43.5, and, uh, which tells me I feel very, very certain that we'll reach our goal even, uh, because even as of Friday, I think about a half a million came in and, and a quite a bit this week, and I'm sure more and more will be coming in. So you ought to be very encouraged, and uh, for you that have a major indication, and realizing this is an indication of intention, there's never, we've made this very clear, not a pledge that you owe, but this is what I intend to do over the next two years so that our church might start a little different process of budgeting and how we plan to utilize and, and reach the community. And uh, this is uh, taking a, a grand leap, an encouraging leap from where we've been to a greater pathway, I think, to service through the community and beyond. So I hope that you are very encouraged. And I want to say to each of you that gave your indication, thank you so much for your faithfulness. This process began probably four months ago. It actually began a year ago in planning, but we started executing the plan, which has included um, going to uh, our home, or not our home meetings, but our town hall meetings, as we call them, where I had the privilege of meeting with so many of you casting the vision, uh, a series that cast vision as well, and then we, we had a teaching series on stewardship. Uh, we have, uh, it's just been a, a lot involved that now culminates in this day. So uh, thank you for so many who have worked so faithfully and uh, brought us to this place. So hopefully you are very encouraged. Now, having said that, I want to just add a little asterisk here. And maybe here I, I, I take off my, my uh, preaching hat and I put on my coaching, my coaching cap. And I hope we as a family uh, would, uh, would hear me as I, I would share with you. I think like many a coach, and this is not a good week to bring the analogy of coaching in for me, but um, <laughs> you hear some coaches that say, it's not about the win or loss, it's about the process. It's about how you played. Did we give it our best? I hear some coaches say, you know, I, would, I think I'd just as soon lose to know that we played our correct and best and gave it all and did this and, than, uh, than to win. And I go, hmm, really? <laughs> but as the leader of this church in terms of leadership, pastoral leadership, I understand that. I want you to know, do you know that the money number has never been a big issue to me? I, somebody asked me just a, a few days ago, before I'd even found out the number, they said, well, what's the number now? Where are we? And we've been knowing it for the last 
two weeks as some have given early and so forth. And I said, I have no idea. Quite frankly, I haven't even thought about asking. See, it would not have bothered me if we came in at 24 million. Almost half the goal. That wouldn't have bothered me a bit if I knew that we're all in to go all out. That's what I'm concerned about. That's what I want to see. And I have to be honest that we had a, a larger number of people than I would have expected that never showed any indication whatsoever, not one word. And I look at some of those names that are on that list, and, I, and I'm, I'm just surprised. Four months and all that we've done and, and just nothing. Not that I don't think you're going to give. A number that we use, by the way, is we take the, the pledges that were so generous, amazing, the people that participated. And then we take just those that have been faithful givers over the long haul, members of the church, and what they gave based on last year's giving. We just estimate that be the same probably. But it's, it just it amazes me because, see, what I'm after is all in. I want to see people that say, come on, let's go. See, I don't care if we have a church of 1,000, 500, 800. I, I don't, that numbers. We never wanted to be a successful church. That's why, that's why we say around here, we really are what's called a high-standard church. And we want to put those standards high. And that doesn't mean what does it look like at the end of the game. But how does the process look? Where are our people? And so I'm going to encourage all of you, do the process, be a part of your church, engage in what we're doing. I'm telling you, you want a high, you want a high standard church. That's why you're here. You don't want to go to a church where it's just, you know, what gets the most people and gets people feeling. No, you want to get trained, you want to get taught, you want to change the world that we're a part of. And I believe that. And to do it, we have to serve a lot of people. I want all in to go all out. And I will say this, and truthfully, if you say, no, I, I don't want to be a part of this process because I'm not all in to go all out, I would beg you, you find a church where you can be all in, and you go be all in in that church. Much better you all in there than here giving untold amounts of money. That's not what we're about. We're about a people. And I'm going to say, we're going to see our people rally on this one. So if you've not yet participated, and there's some good reasons some of you had, and I know that. But if you haven't, let's participate. The amount is not the issue. It's all in, okay? Now, was that bad that I kind of pushed you a little bit? Yeah, people don't like to be pushed. Yeah, you do. Okay, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for a, a people here that have made a church that's a, that truly is a high standard church. Not to become a part of it in terms of having to be mature to join this church, but a place that says we come here to mature. And I pray, Father, make us a church that's all in to go all out. I thank you to what degree we are and so many that are. Thank you for so many that have, have indicated such an intense desire to make this church what you want it to be. Thank you for the process in their own pilgrimage and what you're doing. Continue to do that work. Thank you for so many that give so much of their life, their resources and all. Bless, we pray. I pray as we walk into this next series that you would bless it, cause us to have minds and hearts open to engage in the truth of your word.
Blessed we pray in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I think you're going to appreciate this next series. Next series, I've given the title, Rest Secure. It's on Romans chapter 8, beginning in verses 31 through 39. It'll be a five-week series. At least I think it will be. Never know. The title, it's an interesting thing when you begin to title something that you're covering over the weeks to come. There are other titles that I could have used, and particularly about the message this week. Maybe the title could be The Big One. The Big One. I'm not going to explain that now. I think at the end you'll understand. Remember those words, The Big One. Another title that maybe could be used for the entire series off of a a television program, The Voice. I've not... I don't think I've seen The Voice, but I know there is that television program. It's where musical talent comes together, and in some capacity they judge, but it's called The Voice. And the reason I think of The Voice is because as this series is completed in a number of weeks, it is my intention and my hope that you're going to hear the voice of God. See, there are a lot of people that are going to church, and good churches, Bible-believing churches, with the intention and the hope that when they get there, they're going to be motivated, they're going to be stimulated, and given some very, very, very practical how-tos. Tell me how to live my life as a Christian. Tell me what to do and not to do, and be sure and tell me how to be a good family. Teach on the family and tell me how to be a good family. Uh, tell me how to be a, a good marriage partner. How do I get the best of marriages? And, and, and how, 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 how? There's a lot of how in the Bible. We're not opposed to that whatsoever. But you need to know that there's something else that's very important. In fact, far, far more important. It needs to be the, the majority report of the teaching at a church. And it's really the what about God. And the what about, about what he has done for us, as opposed to what do I do now to make me better, but God, what have you done for me that will make me better? And when we hear the voice of who God is and what he's done for us, it's amazing how it transforms. See, the scripture says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We tend to think, you shall know what to do, and when you do it, it will set you free. Well, there's some truth in that, but the reality is the bigger issue is hearing the correct voice. There are a lot of us that are telling ourselves some things about ourselves and the world in which we live and the life that we experience that just isn't true. And this series is going to be very encouraging because it's going to be a daily reminder of the truth of how we really find our freedom. So... Let me begin with a, maybe an illustration to set the stage. There's a movie called Switched at Birth, a good while back. Ten-year-old Arlena Twig is about uh, to go to the hospital, and she's with her mother getting ready to have heart surgery. There's a conversation that goes on, and it goes something like this. Mom, am I going to die? Mother looks at her daughter and says, no, sweetheart, you're not going to die. 
And then she says, does God love me? And the mother responds, as any of us as parents would probably respond and say, of course God loves you. And then her question, then why am I always sick? Hmm. That's a reasonable question. In fact, I think many of us, most of us, maybe all of us at some time, are having the same question, particularly when we go through the hardest of experiences. What about the loss of a child? What about the desertion of the unfaithfulness of a spouse? What about, what about, the, uh, what about being barren and wanting children or being disabled because of illness or, or some kind of accident that's left us where our dream of life will never be fulfilled? And that is the story of all of us to some degree. There is something that doesn't happen that we were hoping would happen. Some, the election, it didn't happen what we hoped would happen. Uh, and, and, but the big and most serious things I've already mentioned. I mean, they're just issues of life that are just so, so challenging. Where our text is a text that is going to just drive this voice of truth into us. And I hope we just think about it and think about it and think about it all week long. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. This is the great assurance, particularly to those who are suffering and who question God's love. We're going to begin with verse 31. In fact, today's text is verse 31. The first part of that verse begins simply by saying this. What then shall we say to these things? Now, if we don't know what the author means, the Apostle Paul, when he says, what shall we say to these things, then the rest of what he says makes very, very little sense. He's throwing us back from chapter 1, verse 17, all the way up to the present, saying these things. But I think it's fair to say that he's mainly talking about what has been said in the balance of chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We've taught that series around here. In fact, many of you know that it has been my intention from the beginning of this church, started as year one, that I would take every five years and try to little bit by little bit, year by year, work through chapters 1 through 8. By the end of five years, be through with chapter 8, turn back around and go through chapter 1. I have had a few periods of time where there's been some lapse, maybe a two or three years out of the 35 that I have not taught out of the book of Romans 1 through 8, but for the most part have been doing so. I'm a little behind on this particular year because our ministry year, you know, has already kicked off and we finished our 35 and I lack these last few verses and I don't do this simply because, okay, I'm supposed to do it. I look and I say, God, we need this so much. Is there any scripture that is more foundational to building maturity, strength, and health in the life of its people than the book of Romans? Man, oh man, none better. I think of all chapters of the Bible, if you ask me, what's my favorite chapter of the Bible? It would be a tie, but one of them would be Romans chapter 8. And I look at this Romans 8 and I say, man, you get Romans 8, you got it. It is so good. We've walked through Romans chapter 8 under the title, The Faith Advantage. 
And so I'm going to put up on the screen here the outline of what we've covered. You might want to go back and do a larger study if you're new to the church, but this covers where we've been. First of all, the Faith Advantage chapter 8, and it begins verses 1 through 17. We can experience acceptance, and there are verses there that just ex explain the whole faith idea that we are we're brought into a relationship by faith. It's what he's done for us, and we are fully, totally accepted because of that work. Absolutely accepted. Boy, we put that one, you put that one into play, watch out. Number two, we can rejoice in suffering. And this was a hard text, but a very good one, 18 through 27. And we took every aspect of suffering, asked the why questions, I mean the biggest challenges. Why would we suffer and what's God doing in suffering and so forth and so on to put on what we called a, a, uh, a cloak for the winner of pain and hardship that is a cloak of theology that will hold us secure and warm. And that was a very valuable text we walked through. Thirdly, we can trust God's sovereignty. We did that under the title, The Good News Regarding the Bad News. Those were those verses 28 through 30. It begins, for God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, called according to his purpose. And then it gets into the depth of all depths of Scripture, to whom he has. And then it goes through the, the litany of all those important things. What has he done? He's, he has uh, uh, predestined us and called us and, and he's justified us. and All of that, we walked right through what those things mean. Now we come to the series that we're in now. Number four, we can rest in our security. And we're entitling this Rest Secure, verses 31 through 39. Now, in the overview of where we're going, just so you've got the bigger picture, 31 through 39, we're going to see five reasons that we can rest secure. And we'll cover these over the five weeks. It's by answering the five questions that follow in the text. And this is how it looks. If you look at the text, first, the question is going to be asked, we'll look at today, is God, if God is for us, who can be against us? And by the way, these are going to be unanswerable questions. The point being, there is no one who can be against us in reality if God is for us. I'll teach that in just a minute. But let's see where we're going over the next weeks. Number two, we'll tell the question, how shall God not with Christ give us all things? He will give us all things. There's no way he won't. Verse 32. Then we look at verse 33. Third week. Who will bring a charge against God elect? You tell me. Who is going to take God's elect and bring able, be able to bring a charge of condemnation? It will never happen, ever. Verse 33. Then we look at verse 34. The question, who is the one who condemns? Okay, so who's the person that could bring condemnation against us? No answer to that question because there is no one. And then lastly, the last verses that are so encouraging, who can separate us from the love of God? And there is no one who can do that. So we'll be walking through those over the next several weeks. Okay, so here's our text in verse, in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? Literally means this, in light of what I've said, what are we going to say? Out of all this teaching that I've given thus far, okay, now, what are you going to say? What do you say to these things? 
And then he says, in fact, let me put it this way, and he starts with the first question. He's particularly talking to those who are suffering. That's what chapter 8 has been so much about, all those that suffer so deeply. So for you that are hurting, who are questioning the ways of God and why God and all this, boy, this is a series for each of us here. In many respects, the teaching of this text puts all doubt to rest by these five questions. I love the statement of John Stott, one of the greatest greatest commentators of Scripture, now with the Lord, but he put it this way, Paul hurls five questions out into space, as it were, defiantly, triumphantly, challenging any creature in heaven or earth or hell itself to answer them or to deny the truth that is contained in them. So let's look at the first, the first point. I'll put it under, the question kind of can be framed this way. God's acceptance nullifies all opposition. Let's look at verse 31 in its whole. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who is against us? Literally, who can be against us, as some translations say. Actually, you know, the text really says, who against us? But we understand that who can be or who is against us. Now, the text begins with the word if. Very important word. If God is for us. Some people could read the text and say in the English, so well, if and meaning, is he really for us? Well, the word literally could be translated since, and it's given in that meaning. This is not an if and it may not be. This is a if, meaning since it is the case. Since God is for us, who can be against us? Now, don't underestimate what he's saying here in the sense that, well, there's nobody really against us. Are you kidding me? No, no one, nothing against us who are Christians? Uh, just go to Ephesians chapter 6 and you'll find the difference there. Ephesians chapter 6 says, how about principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual darkness in the high places? I tell you what, you don't believe in that stuff? I say this in inquiries sometimes in our Q&A session when I'm asked and deal with the question, well, what about the demonic world? And I can say this, I've said it before, I'll say it again and again. Let me tell you, there is a demonic world, and if you don't believe it, I could sit here and tell you three, four, five, I could tell you stories right now that many of which I have personally been there to witness and watch. And after I would tell you the stories, you would be saying either there is a real demonic world Oh, Randy's just a bold-faced liar. It's got to be one of the two. It cannot be in between. Oh, there's a real world, and it's a, it's a powerful world that's against us. The author's not saying, oh, who can be against There's nobody out there. There's no big deal. No, no, no. And then add to that the unbelieving world, the power structures that are against the church. As Revelation teaches, the sea beast or the earth beast, the harlot, as we know it, through all the challenges and that comes to us in temptation form. What about death itself and the suffering that precedes it? You're telling me there's nothing that's against me? Oh, there's plenty going against me. There's plenty going against you, but that is really not the point. The point is not him saying, who's against us? Is there anybody against us? No, he's saying, no, if God be for us, 
who then can be against us? That's the point. This God who is the almighty, the omnipotent, the creator, the sustainer of life, the controller and ruler of all things, he says, if that God be for us, tell me, who's going to be against us? Literally saying, who can successfully be against us? And there's the teaching of the text. There's plenty against us, but there's none that can successfully be against us. Successfully do what? Throw us down, destroy us, ruin our life, make our life to where it's only misery, that there's no joy, that there's no life, that there's no breath. No, no. Not if we understand to the degree that our God is God and that he is for us. There's the point. Maybe I can illustrate it. Making the point better. Now, when I dated Carol, let's just say, though this is not the true story, let's say that I see Carol at a distance and I say, well, there's an attractive girl. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to meet her, but I wonder what kind of girl she is. And I happen to find out that she's good friends with a good friend of mine. So I go to my friend and I say, you know this girl? Yeah, her name is Carol. Oh, really? Well, tell me about her. Oh, loves the Lord. She's one of the sweetest girls I've ever known. She's da, 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 da. Everything I hear is just wonderful. And so my thought, I say, wow, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to go out with her if she'd be willing. So I asked my friend, I say, do you think you could set me up on a date and that we could go out? He said, I think I could work that out, but I'm going to have to do it under condition. I say, what's the condition? Well, there's this other girl that I know that I owe her a huge favor and no one wants to go out with her. I mean, she kind of looks like a bulldog, and she's as mean as a bulldog. In fact, her name is Ugga, and says, I want you to go out with this girl, and if you go out with her, then I'll work it out where you can go out with Carol. And I go, well, that's what it takes. Okay. So I go out with both of them, and I have as delightful a time with Carol as I had of a miserable time with the other girl. I go to my friend and I say, I'm curious to know how, how it uh, turned out. And she says, well, let me tell you how it turned out. You know the girl that uh, you went out, Ugga? Ugga despised you. She doesn't think, think very highly of you at all. I said, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't try. She said, I don't care. She just didn't like you. Well, what about Carol? Oh, she enjoyed it. She hopes we can go, you can go out again. And what do I say to that? If Carol before me, who can be against me? Do I care? No, I don't care. Because what I truly want and truly desire and need is this. Therefore, that will not have an impact on me. I know that's extreme because we lose something that's valuable to us. That's different than not getting a, a date that you didn't want to begin with. But the reality is if we could see everything for what it was in light of what God is planning to do, Romans 8, 28 through 30, we'd be applauding God so big and we'd say, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's by faith. But when we see the goodness of God, and we see even the good things that we lose, there's still the sense in which we can say, if God be for us, who in the world 
can ever be against us. Well, I want to wrap this up and bring it to conclusion. The reality here is the disappointments of our life, the, the pressures, the pain diminishes that kind of, uh, let's not be unrealistic. Let's just say, oh, God before us, I don't really care if I lose this. I don't care if I don't. No. But I'll tell you what it does. It's what Paul says. We are thrown down but not defeated. We're cast down, yes. It doesn't destroy us. If we know that our God is for us, who can be against us? I want to say a word to the young people here. Our youth, our children. Boy, you're going to believe the voice of the world. The voice of the world is going to say to you, if you're not really high on the pecking order of that popularity ladder, then life is not worth living. If you're not a standout in abilities beyond your peers, at least the majority, your life's not worth the living. If this, you might as well die. If that, what difference does it make? If it takes it, I'll do this because I have to have that. All of that diminished when you begin to understand that your God is for you. There's nothing, there's no one that can be against you that can successfully hurt you at all. That's the voice of God. Some of you perhaps have, some of you have perhaps read the interview just this last week or so with Mark Richt, coach at the University of Georgia. And he's uh, looking back at an experience that he had in 1993 under Coach Bowden. And they're talking about how important is it that you win and how important. And he says, you know what, winning is important. We want to win, but, you know, winning is not everything. And he tells this story to support his point. He talks about how they're in the dressing room with the players the week after they've won the national championship and week, year after year, they've been coming close and losing, coming close and losing, never winning the big one, never getting the big one, never getting the big one, and now they get the big one. So he gathers his players after a, a week or so, I don't know how long, but a little while after the great victory. And this is what Bowden said. Coach Bowden said, they said we could never win the big one. Now we've won it. Now that, we're, that we finally won it, do you feel any different now? Coach Rick says he went around the room and everyone said, no, not really. In fact, we all said no. Coach Bowden said, you know why you don't feel any different? Because that's not really winning the big one. Winning the big one is when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to modify that a little bit. There are many people that pray and they ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And even if there's a conversion, the reality is this. The big one is when in Christ and because of in Christ, we can say, if God be for us, there's no one and nothing that can be against us. And I'm going to live that. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to take every disappointment that comes and I'm going to hold it up in comparison to the love of God that's found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you see that cross 
and you see the blood and the death that he gives so that we might know that all things work together for good. That's when we say, diminishes the pain. I'm okay. Let's keep going. That's the voice of God. Don't listen to any other voice. Only the voice that says, I am for you. Don't worry when the world and all it can throw at you is against you. I'm for you. As we pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending a Savior so that we have no question of your love. If you would send your son to die, as we'll look in the week to come, how shall you not with him freely give us all things? And so, Father, through this series, as we take your truth and we listen to that voice over and over and over, may we constantly think that which is the big one counts, and we got it. If we don't have it, Father, we're here today and not certain that we do have the big one. Would you enable the heart to be open now that resists you and say, say to you now, God, you indwell me. You penetrate my life. I surrender to follow after you and to make your righteousness my righteousness and my sin that which you paid for on the cross. Grant that great exchange to take place in the hearts of people right this very minute. And may all of us who know you live according to the big thing. For now and forever we pray. In the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen.